are listening to the podcast for Nerdy Christians, where faith means fandom. Welcome to the show for progressive followers of Jesus, who also happen to love Hogwarts, Hobbits, and to recklessly split infinitives. This is Season 6, Episode 9, What We Cherish in Books. I'm Adam Thomas, and I'm very happy to be sitting across the internet from Carrie Combs. Hi, Carrie. Hey, Adam. Thank you for your sacrifice of perfect grammar in reading our episode intro and splitting your infinitives. I think it shows a lot of personal growth on your part, and I'm proud of you. Grumble. But you survived it. I did. (laughs) What are we talking about today, Carrie, on our final episode of season six? So we're wrapping up season six with what we jokingly call the fun one. We always do a fun episode. Not that the other ones aren't fun, but we've had trivia. We've had lists. We've had made up D&D parties. We thought about having a fun episode about uh, brainstorming some fan fictions for you all to write, because that's kind of been an unofficial theme of this season. But you can just do that on your own by listening along and hearing all of the fan fictions we want you to write. Instead, we're talking about a way of categorizing and understanding books that I kind of accidentally made up, and it's guided a lot of our conversations in how we discuss what appeals to us about the books we love or don't love. Right. Because one of the things we recognize is that when we say a book is bad, what we really mean is this book isn't for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, there are some books that just are, you know, just kind of generally not good. We value various things when we're reading and books that deliver those things we're going to think are good and books that don't deliver them we're going to think are bad and people have different... um, different lists of what they think is good and and different orders of those lists. So we're going to talk about that today. Uh, But first, we're going to have our quotations from scripture and nerd canon. The scripture quote today is the beginning of the prologue to the gospel according to John. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Our quotation from Nerd Canon is from author V.E. Schwab from an author's panel on world building. She says, I build the world from the inside out. First, I find the heart. Then I build the insiders who belong there. Then the outsiders who don't. Okay, Carrie, you created this amazing, what do we call it? Um, Alignment ske- chart? Schema? Schema? <laughs> categories? Uh, of of how to figure out if you're going to like a certain kind of book or a book by a certain author or a certain type of book. Uh, so why don't you just give us the four categories that we're going to talk about today, and then we'll talk about each one of them. Happy to do so. And I will say there's probably characteristics that are not included in this. This is the sort of shorthand my big book reading friend Kara and I came up with to describe why we liked certain books and others. And I'm probably not original in this, but we noticed when we were categorizing different books or trying to figure out which ones we liked, which ones we didn't, we found ourselves appreciating more or less these four things, plot, character or character development, world building, and writing craft. 
And in the course of doing the podcast with Adam, I've learned that he and I value different ones of these, which has led to some very interesting discussions and disagreements on what makes a good book. And like he said in the beginning, when it comes down to it, it's what you like. Just like mood readers might be in the mood for fantasy one day and cozy mystery the next, there's no wrong way to be reading a book. There's no wrong book for you. It's just finding the ones that fit where you are. As a writer, I love having this tool available that you've created uh, because it helps me to understand what my own strengths are and what type of readers would gravitate to my writing. Um, of course we want as writers to write a book that has a great plot and great characters and great world building and is beautifully written. And that's pretty rare to find a book that hits all of those elements. For me, the most important I think is the characters. And when, when I, you have a well-developed character, I love some terrible books, like not well, not beautifully written Lots of cliches, lots of tropes, um, kind of predictable plot. But I love the characters. I know them inside and out. I can predict what they're going to say as though they were my own friends. And and just even if I don't like them as people, I wouldn't want to be friends with them. I appreciate how well drawn out and fleshed out they are. So if you so before we go into a, to have a dive on each of these four elements, give me your ranking. My ranking, I think, is character, world building, plot, then with writing being the lowest. What about you? Okay, so for me, writing is one. Yep. Which is why you and I don't always like the same books. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, two is world building. Three is character and four is plot. Mm. Um, it's interesting, though, because well, when we get into them, we can talk about how plot and character overlap. But yeah. Um, uh, but for me, the writing is the most important, and uh, which is why I struggle with a lot of the young adult fiction I read mm -hmm. as comp titles for the books that I'm writing, because I, I, there, I haven't found too many young adult authors who are writing with very high levels of prose that mm -hmm. you get in like some some literary fiction in the adult market. Um, I will say that the, the the difference between literary and commercial fiction is very subjective and yes. there's a lot of literary fiction out there that is badly written because it's it's overwritten mm -hmm. uh, and okay so why don't we launch into that then um i already started talking about writing but <laughs> as, no, cool, cool uh, should, should we start there just because i was already start talking with about writing it. i've got okay. some thoughts about writing we'll so. get it out of the way for you How about that? <laughs> we'll disagree early and spend the rest of the episode <laughs> making up to each other That's right. <laughs> becoming friends uh, again so for me the writing is key because that's what keeps me engaged on the page. Uh, if there's just this, you know, beautiful descriptions, if an author is able to capture uh, a character or a setting in one very beautiful metaphor, that's the kind of thing that that just makes me sit up and take notice in a book. Um, like I'll go back and reread sentences over and over again that I think are just perfectly put together. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll just sort of lose myself in those particular sentences, kind of on a line level of the book. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, not it's not going to happen too often, but when it does, it's just this. It's like uh, it's like getting an extra present within the book you're reading. 
Um, oh, I love and that. So there are authors that I consider, you know, incredible writers um, whose books are well-written, but might fall down on some of the other elements, mm-hmm. right? Um, so the the number one is J.R. Tolkien. I, I think Tolkien is a phenomenal writer. I, I yeah, love yeah. his prose. is just amazing. And he's not succinct. He's <laughs> very lush, mm-hmm. you know, almost impressionistic in some of his description. I mean, it takes a long time to describe things, but it's just so beautifully written. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, his world building is, he invented world building, basically. Right. And and obviously those two overlap and we'll get there. Sure. So you're, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, from a character development stance and a plot stance, you know, there's some plot in Lord of the Rings, but mm-hmm. the characters are a little bit, you know, they're less important. Like, like who these people actually are. There are some interesting character stuff happening, but there's not a lot of character development over the course of the story. Mm hmm. So, but the writing is gorgeous and that's what yeah. I, I, I want to sink into that. I want to read it out loud, you know, and, and feel it in my guts. And I think that's really cool. So tell me why you don't like writing. Well, now you're reminding <laughs> me of how much I love reading Tolkien out loud around a campfire with friends. Uh, true story. Everyone should do it. It's Very a lot cool. of fun. Love it. I had this debate with friends of mine back in high school. It was Kara and I versus other, our friend, other Nick, I specify because my husband's name is Nick, um, about whether or not Harry Potter was quote, good writing. We agreed it was not literary, but is it effective for the age group in which it was intended? And that was the perennial debate. So when you mentioned not liking YA writing, I'm thinking, is it effective for painting a picture for a person of that age group and using multisyllabic words that are beautiful and literary might be a distraction or a, a a barrier. On the other hand, I have read a lot of truly terribly written YA fiction. So I think within that that genre, um, there's a, there's a wide variety of what's considered good writing. I would say I don't really notice the writing unless it's spectacularly immersive and beautiful or spectacularly bad. I think my band of what is acceptable mm-hmm. Is, is much wider than yours. Um, and I'm thinking of the only, a few times I noticed it, Lord of the Rings being one, Name of the Wind by Patrick mm-hmm. Rothfuss being another one. And then Anne McCaffrey's Crystal Singer series, which I was lucky enough to have read on my Kindle, which meant that every sentence or two, when she used some beautiful word I didn't know, I could look it up immediately. <laughs> and they would often be like the, they would often be words that are a little old fashioned, but once I knew what they meant, captured the feeling that she was going for beautifully. But it's not something that I don't get lost. And I love listening to how you talk about how writing affects you because I want to have that, but I just don't. Yeah. And that's just fine. I liked how you said that thing about like the band of mm. where you, you have a fairly wide band in the spectrum of of good writing to bad writing. Yeah. And mine is a little smaller. <laughs> We're always Uh, trying to disrupt the binary in this podcast. So the binary between good and bad writing, I I appreciate a lot more of the gray in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll stick with, so I have read, here you go. Maybe we can move into world building. Okay. Go for it. I have read a lot of Star Wars novels. Oh, yes. And they are not well written. Only a handful of the 
gazillion Star Wars novels that have ever been written are well written. Mm-hmm. And I can name them because there's only a, I can like name them <laughs> in like one hand because there's only a couple. Okay. Um, the best one is called Lost Stars by Claudia Gray. Uh, it's basically a Romeo and Juliet retelling in Star Wars, and it's fabulous. Amazing, amazing. Um, and then the early books by Timothy Zahn, way back in the 90s, uh, Heir to the Empire. Is that what it's called? Heir to the Empire. That series is fantastic. But anyway, but most Star Wars books are not well-written, but they take place in the Star Wars galaxy, and I like living there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like extra world building on top of all the movies and TV shows and all the other stuff, and you get to kind of immerse yourself in these stories, and that's pretty cool. And I think, so writing does overlap with world building as does character and plot. But when we talk about world building, we're thinking of how it's construct, how the world is constructed. The writing obviously contributes to painting the picture. But when we talk about world building, it's like, is it, if it's fantasy, is it believable? Does it have an internal cohesion and logic to it? Uh, One of the authors I appreciated a long time ago, I haven't read in a while is C.S. Friedman. And she's a wonderfully good, she's a wonderful world builder. And she, when she builds worlds, she imagines them. And then she sets a bunch of hypothetical gamers loose into her world to try to break the world, to try to break the rules of magic, to try to exploit every loophole Mm. and find ways around it. And that's led to some of her best works having it's sort of internal balance and logic and consistency about them because she's wondered what's the cost of in her world magic is it does it take a life from someone how would anyone become powerful in a world where there's a cost mm-hmm. and I, and i appreciate that there's there's some sense to it we always especially in fantasy we think oh it's just magic but magic systems that have rules that have limitations that have some amount of sense to them really mm-hmm. draw me in personally. And you you coming from a sci-fi background, what about what about that intrigues you? Well, I think that we, we've talked a lot about Becky Chambers on this podcast, but the, the one of the biggest things I, I love about her books is the world building. Mm. Uh, and by world building, we you know mean galaxy building, really, because she's, yeah, she's, she's developing all of these cultures and, and then smashing them into each other to see what happens. It's so mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, especially when you have all these sentient species with different biology and mm-hmm. how those biologies affect them culturally uh, and inter uh, interspecies um, awareness and all of this stuff. It's just so fascinating. Um, but then again, I love her characters too. So, you know, we, yeah. that's, and, and then from a plot standpoint, not a lot of, there's not a ton of plot in Becky Chambers <laughs> books. Yeah. Right. Um, and yeah, so we'll we'll get we'll get yeah. to that. Like well, we still love so much of Becky Chambers yeah. because of the world building and right. the, the the internal logic of imagining what would a human fleet that set out from a dying earth, what kind of rules would they develop? What kind of social mores would they have mm-hmm. embraced or not embraced? Um we've talked on this podcast, I think very recently, about Anne McCaffrey's Dragon Riders of Pern series. And that's a wonderful example of world building to me because she's thought out this sort of triply triple three circles of society of hold and hall and weir dragon weir and mush them again mush them together come up with sort of how do people learn how do people work how do people talk to one another communicate all of that is well thought out and then throughout the course of the series she complicates it with the introduction of technology hmm. and and mm-hmm. from that you get some of the plot and the conflicts 
when it, from a world building perspective uh, and a fantasy one, um, you talked about magic systems earlier. Uh, there are basically two types of magic systems. There are soft magic systems and hard magic systems. The hard mm-hmm. ones being like, there are very specific rules about how magic works in this world. And I, as the author, I'm going to explain it so that you know what can happen and what can't happen magically. So like a Patrick Rothfuss with sympathy? Yeah, sympathy in in in, uh, in the name of the wind or in the King Killer Chronicles. Uh, Brandon Sanderson, I think, I haven't read a lot of Brandon Sanderson, but I think most of oh, his yeah. systems are, are very hard magic systems. Mistborn. Yeah. And then you have very soft magic systems like Tolkien. Gandalf just sort of does magic sometimes, but, you know, don't really know what he's doing. He's just, mm-hmm. you know, that's where the, you know, the, the old, the meme, a wizard did it you know, comes from. Well, that right. came from the Simpsons and Xena, the warrior princess oh, okay. specifically, well, but yes, a wizard did it. But one of the things that makes the name of the wind in, an interesting world building perspective is that, is that it has soft magic and hard magic in it at the same time, because mm. it has naming, which is soft magic and it has sympathy, which is hard magic. Oh, and interesting. They're both being uh, studied at the university. That's Another cool. reason I like my favorite Harry Potter fan fiction, the Arithmancer, because is <laughs> is Harry Potter magic kind of a soft magic? It, it is. Like be- they progress, yeah. but they just do it. That's the weird thing about Harry Potter spells is it seems like it's hard magic because mm-hmm. it's like, well, you got to do your wand like this and you got to say these words. But then over the course of the books, you can basically do anything with magic except apparently create food. Yeah, because um, of Golaplot's you know, Gamp's Law of something. Gamp's or other. Law, sorry, not Golaplot. <laughs> yes. But but yeah, no, it's pretty soft because yeah, we can teleport how far? Yeah. As far as the story wants us to go. Sort of like hyperspace in Star Wars. You know, when you think about is, is Star Wars is space fantasy, not science fiction, right? Mm-hmm. Um so hyperspace is a is a way to get from here to there, and it takes as long as the story needs for it to take to get there. Some hyperspace journeys take very short amount of time and other ones take a long time based on how long it the characters need to be going somewhere hanging out in a ship and then they yeah. introduce jumping oh hyper in space jump. I, don't, I don't want to talk about the okay. skywalker <laughs> um they 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 introduced intergalactic or e- e- wait not intergalactic extra galactic extra galactic hyperspace jumps in the ahsoka tv show which was super fun and I think th- things like that, I mean, we we sort of, it's kind of a joke on the internet of nerds coming after properties for ruining the canon. You can't do that um, mm-hmm. in this previous very niche, t- you know, book or episode. You said this and now you say that and that kind of internal dissonance mm-hmm. um, is almost becomes a joke. And can be very can be obnoxious sometimes, but it does show that world building can be inconsistent. One of the yeah. jokes about with you know J.K. Rowling and building Harry Potter was like she needed more people on her staff who were just keeping track of the minutia of how <laughs> the world works because it kind of just because you said it's a soft magic system it just kind of develops as they go on. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's first person perspective, so maybe we were learning all about how mathematically and physically magic is crafted, but he's not paying attention. So there's something there. So in other words, if the book had been centered from Hermione's perspective from the beginning, then it would have been a hard magic system. Such as the fan fiction, <laughs> The Arithmancer <laughs> Trilogy by White Squirrel? Why, yes, Adam, you would learn a lot about fractals. So if uh, 
if the Arithmancer by White Squirrel was on your bingo card for this episode, dear listener, congratulations. Carrie hasn't spoken of it in a while, but it does happen. It's back. And someone recorded someone recorded a reading of it on YouTube, oh, so you can cool. listen to it audiobook that. style. All right. I love maps in books. I know not everybody does, but I think maps are great. When I created the D&D World Sula Rule, I started with a map. I drew an mm. entire map, and I named a whole bunch of things and didn't know anything about them except their names. Like, and what's then, that wall doing yeah, up there exactly. where the orcs live? Why is live? there a wall there? Why, why <laughs> is this called this? Why is that called that? And then I went back later and wrote uh, a whole kind of uh, history of Sularil and figured out why all those things were called what they were, and that mm-hmm. led to stories. Um, and I even changed a couple of names based on the stories that came out of those things. Like, there was a there's a place that used to be called Kinhome and mm-hmm. was changed to uh, Avalie based on the character in one of my books. And her name ended up being the name oh, um, right. of, uh, of that town um, mm-hmm. because of things that happened in that book. Um, and the Halfling is- Contagion. Look it up. <laughs> well, and our nerd quote is from author V.E. Schwab, who wrote, um, among other things, the Shades of Magic trilogy. And that's what she's speaking about in this, it was from a, a panel at Comic-Con. And she said, you know, she builds the world from the inside out, the heart, and then we cut out this text, but she mentions the the palace in Red London in the Shades of Magic series was the heart, the beating heart of both the city she created and of the world and therefore of the novels. And if you read those novels, you know that the palace is, is a shining, beautifully written, um, truly beating heart of the story. And from that, she created the royals who live there, the adopted outsider. And from that, she created the next shell out, hmm. those who do not belong in this case. Um, in this case, one of the other main characters, Lila Bard. And from that, the whole world, the whole plot sort of fell out. Interesting. So she starts with, she starts with character. She starts with, no, she starts with, with the world. She starts setting. with the world. She starts with setting. Yeah. adds characters and then figures out what the story is based on those characters and how they so interact. So it seemed. Yeah. Where, yeah. And it sounds like you created the map, mm-hmm. the world, and, and that kind of goes out from there. And that one was specifically for D&D. So then mm-hmm. my players came in and went, oh, that looks like a cool place. I want my character to be, to be from there. And then I had to figure out what there was, mm. which is a super fun thing to do, by the way. That's the best thing about being a DM. They run roughshod over your imaginative world that you've so carefully crafted. <laughs> but that's the fun and I, part. And we enjoy doing it, which brings us, I think, to one of our, yeah. one, one of the things we both agree on that we appreciate is character. Yeah. Number um, one for the, you, you said, right? Character. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think I think character is number one. Mm-hmm. Partially, um, it's the easiest thing to grasp onto because I know people. Mm. I like people. I'm interested in people. I'm a priest. That's kind of what oh, we okay. do. That's the difference because I don't like people. Terrible priest. But I, and that's why I like being a player character in D and D because I can, I can create characters. I'm never going to write a book, or at least I cannot imagine writing a book. But I've created so many characters that live in my head. So if I were to write a book, it would start with a character and spiral mm. out from there. Character, mm. plot, world, probably with writing very, very low. <laughs> but I love in character a good well-drawn character is someone whose motivations I understand, whose headspace I can get into, who I know just like I know my friends inside and out. That to me is what draws me to character. 
And when when you have a so you have these characters that you love, um, and we're gonna get to plot later. But basically, what happens to characters is plot. Yeah, right? I mean, not at the basic level. Um, but you have these characters, and you want characters that could sit in a coffee shop all day and just chat to each other, and you'd be fine. Pretty much, my yeah, my favorite part of the Harry Potter books, as I think I've mentioned, is the first third, where mm-hmm. they're just going to school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would read the heck out of. If Patrick Rothfuss just wanted to have Koth go back to the university and get his degree and like have no no kick and killing happening in the third book, I would I would be okay with that. You're reading a book that has, say, an ensemble cast. Um, are you looking for a book that has uh that has characters in which you can love all of those characters, or are you looking for like one specific character to really grasp onto? Um, like, you know, I guess mm-hmm. I asked this because if you read, say, the Game of Thrones series, mm-hmm. A Song of Ice and Fire, my problem with those books was that there were characters I just didn't care about. Yes. And the characters I did care about would be gone for 150 pages. And then finally, I would get 10 pages with them and then be gone again. Yes. Um, and that was really frustrating. That's why I tend to like first person POVs mm-hmm. or third person limited um somewhat omniscient Mm -hmm. yeah close close what do you call that limited third person is when you're yeah when you're with it's basically a first person account but you're in a third person perspective Mm -hmm. i generally like that i did also have trouble with game of thrones with the swapping between perspectives and later on you get you get characters missing for a whole book right yeah rather than writing it just gets too big all the characters, half a plot, two books. He did half the characters, full plot, two books, which was <laughs> maddening to me. Um, so yeah, I think I, that's why I, I tend to dra- be gravitating towards those. And then again, it's not that I have to like them as people. I've read a lot of books where I understand the characters and appreciate them, but I don't want to be their friend. Okay. The Villains series is another one by V.E. Schwab where I I think it has great character drawing and they all, they're all terrible people do not enjoy. That's interesting because I mentioned um, uh, the Thrawn series by Timothy Zahn, the star Wars books that Mm -hmm. came out in the nineties. And the main character in that is grand Admiral Thrawn, who is a bad guy. He's like a real bad guy, Hmm. Uh, but he's so compelling as a character that Mm -hmm. you just, I just loved his perspective because the whole point is that he's this mastermind of tactics Mm. Uh, and he will win a battle if he understands all the variables. And so the only way he ends up losing is by not understanding all the variables at stake How in his stories. But the books go through the kind of his tactical mind as he's going. It's really interesting. Um, yeah. I haven't read those books in a long time, but I remember just really, really loving them. Um, so wait, you said you had a question for me about character. Well, now I just want to talk about Ender's shadow and how being be, be, <laughs> living in Bean's mind is so much fun. Um, okay. When you're creating characters how how do, how deep do you get as a writer is it one of the things that they spring off the page mm-hmm. fully formed or you discover them as they go some authors talk yeah people talk yeah. about either of those happening uh i think i'm less of a develop them a ton beforehand and more of a throw them into a story and see how they react to things mm-hmm. author because i have a lot of author friends who write tons and tons and tons of stuff about their characters that are never going to be in the book yeah because they're trying to get to know their characters where i i think i'm more of a 
let me at least sketch out a little bit about who this person is and then put them into a scenario and see what happens and kind mm-hmm. of discover their character within the story that I'm telling rather than write a whole bunch of stories about them that aren't going to go anywhere. And that might make me a little bit lazy. I'm not sure. No, it makes um, you a D&D player. Well, I guess that's also true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a lot of the books I've written have been, you know, basically journalism about D&D campaigns, right? Um, novelizations of D&D campaigns, which mm-hmm. is a really great way to develop a writing skill uh, with characters because you're literally writing characters played by real people who are all very different from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, I would take it, I would, I, I don't think what you said earlier about not having written a book is accurate because you have written several sections of the books that I actually put the words on the paper for. That's Uh, right. We all got a dedication, didn't we? (laughs) Um, So the two books that Carrie's characters are in, I could not have written those books without these other people fleshing out these characters that I ended up putting in the books. Um, Even though I'm the one that wrote the dialogue or whatever, um, the characters are from your perspectives. Made them all sound a lot smarter than they did in the moment. <laughs> well, I guess that's just sort of how it goes. Um, Absolutely. So characters that you love. Let's just get, name name a couple of characters that are just like your favorites of all time. Oh, this is a weird one. This might be very niche, but fans of Sarah J. Mass should probably, if you want to ruin your experience of those books, read Anne Bishop. Read her Black Jewels trilogy because these the, there's a main trilogy. There's very problematic themes in it. Just going to warn you, it's probably not good writing, but the characters are very well fleshed out and it's like a chunk of a book. And then she just kept writing and she writes all these very silly short stories, but with very lame plots or they're just side characters in another story. But I love those characters. (laughs) So specifically, um, his name is Satan. So... (laughs) I like the character of Satan from Anne Bishop's Black Jewels trilogy, from which Sarah J. Mass rips a lot of her material. Ah, Uh, But that's a sidebar. Um, I like both both from Name of the Wind. He's spectacularly strange, and I appreciate his perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think of other... Brooklyn from the city we became. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. big fan of a big fan of all of the characters in the Brooklyn's city we the became. Who becomes a city councilor, right? Yeah, yeah, she's great. Yeah. What about you? I was thinking about the city we became um, because th- that whole book is driven by the characters who are based on the personalities of the boroughs of New York City, which is mm. such an interesting <laughs> thought experiment, and. N.K. Jemison does such a good job of making each one of those characters just incredibly distinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when they come into conversation with each other and contact with each other, the it, it just the writing just flies off. It's it just jumps off the page. It's so interesting because they just I'm making a gesture with my knuckles hitting against each other for our listeners, like an angry fist bump. Yeah, but it's so good. Um, yeah, so that's definitely uh, up on my list. It's just really all the characters in in that book. Um, they're all just so interesting. Dipping back in time quite a bit, I'd mention a favorite of mine being Jane Eyre, mm. because that's someone you know inside and out by the end. I think, and I think a lot of Victorian literature can mm-hmm. do that very well because they're character driven more yeah, than indeed. plot. Yeah, indeed they are. Yeah. Have you thought of anybody? No. <laughs> Do you like Harry Potter? 
Um, as, a as a character, do you understand him and his motivations? Yes. So I, I don't know. I we'll have to come back to Harry Potter at some point um, before we end today's session because I do want to. I do want to kind of go through a couple of the books that we've talked about a lot over the podcast and just sort of yeah. rate, rate them on the four on the scale of, of Ooh, all four of these. Good, 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 good. Idea. I was just thinking about. Um, Characters that I love in books tend not to be the protagonist. They tend not to be the main, main, main character. I love side characters that are just mm. hilarious. Like I love comic relief characters, mm. um, you know, ones that are really in there for spice. You know, mm -hmm. so I think my favorite characters in Harry Potter are Fred and George Weasley. Oh, because yeah. They're just everything they say is hilarious. And, you know, I love laughing out loud when I'm reading. Um, so definitely Fred and George Weasley. So I talked about Lord of the Rings not having really interest, like the character development in Lord of the Rings mm. isn't huge and it's there, but it's not, it's not the important, most important part of the story, but Samwise Gamgee is definitely oh, my favorite yeah. character in Lord of the Rings just because of his, his stalwart loyalty. And he's just amazing. And again, I think we're, when we say character development, I don't, I don't mean at least how they change. I don't think that's necessarily development. I mean, the development of the character, just like writing, we're talking about the writing craft character development, how the author creates the character. Yeah. So Sam Gamgee does not change much in the series yes. of Lord of the Rings. He's still the stalwart, stubborn, loving friend that he is when he rushes out of the Shire with Frodo. But you you know him, you understand him. And in mm -hmm. my case, I'd love to go have a beer with him. <laughs> so he hits all of the marks. It comes in pints. It comes in pints. Um, so you talked about character development the, uh, the other way which is what happens to the character and how do they change, mm -hmm. which has another name and it's plot. Yeah. That's what, that's actually what plot is, is how does a character react to the situations they are put in and how do they change internally as a result? The best plots have both internal and external change and happen along the you know, progression of causes and effects that lead to triumphant moments and setbacks, uh, surprises, all which lead to a culmination at the end of a book in which a character has gone through some sort of journey, hopefully of self-discovery, um, in which the thing that they were contending with at the beginning or the lie that they believed about themselves or about the world has changed into some sort of truth. Uh, and that's plot. And out of all four of these, plot, I think, is the hardest to do. Mm, well, I mean, because the, the pacing is so important. Books that have amazing plots are few and far between. Um, so if I had to choose an element of Harry Potter that I think is is J.K. Rowling's strength, it's plot. I think mm -hmm. her stories are very interesting and have a have wonderful twists and turns as you get to the end and you get to the last 150 pages of a Harry Potter book and you have to keep reading. So recent books I've read that have excellent plot, I would say, is Hollow Kingdom by Kira Jane Buxton. It's about a crow at the end of the world. Hmm. It's from, I mean, so also great character and world building and I imagine writing, mm, okay, um, there you go. but the plot, the plot did not leave me bored. Um, this is plot, I think is one of the things that leaves me to not finish a certain book. So I guess maybe plot's more important than I thought. Legend Born by Tracy Dion is a YA Arthurian inspired twist of a plot and that also like beat to beat kind of kept me going and it doesn't mean that they have to be fast paced or mm -hmm. any just pacing that makes sense 
Finally, The Black Tongue Thief by Christopher Buellman is like a D&D campaign come to life. Again, great character and world building, but the plot also had just enough twists and turns to make an otherwise very long, boring journey a lot more bearable and enjoyable. Mm -hmm. There you go. Cool. Um, So when I think about plot, especially as as a writer, oftentimes I have the ultimate ending of a story in mind Mm. and I have the beginning of a story in mind and I have absolutely no idea how to connect the two (laughs) and the, and writing the middle is the hardest part of writing a book. Uh Um, Some authors will call it the muddle as opposed to the middle because of how hard it is to write. Um, But in the end, the middle is so important because it's where the plot is. The plot happens as the story is progressing from cause to effect. Um, Hopefully the character is taking more control of their own story over the course of a book. Because usually Mm. at the beginning of a story, the character isn't in control. And by the end, maybe they are in some, in whatever way they needed to become uh, in control. Uh, Aaron Sorkin uh, talks about uh, how plot is a series of intentions and obstacles, which I think is a really cool way of thinking about it. I intend to do this and there's an obstacle in my way and overcoming the obstacle or being crushed by the obstacle are, is what makes plot happen. I like Um, that. And there's an escalation in the intentions and obstacles as a story grows to, towards the end. Um, I was thinking about like the Avengers movie, Right. Mm, um, or mm-hmm. the event, the movies that add up to the event, first Avengers movies, there's yeah. smaller intentions and obstacles within those. And once you get the all the whole team together now, oh, New York is in trouble. And oh, is a nuclear weapon Again. really going to go off in New York? And no, you know, so we build up to these big, big moments in plot. So that was a nice long discussion about the four categories. Let's go through a couple of our of the books that we've talked about a yeah. lot on the podcast and and do what we think are the the you know those four put those four things in order. So let's start with Harry Potter because we've talked out of all the books we've talked about on the podcast, we've talked about Harry Potter the most. Mm-hmm. Um so if you needed to go with those four elements in order for Harry Potter, what would they be? Character, world building, plot writing. No, wait, hold on. Plot, world building, character writing. I think I'm exactly in the same boat. I, I think you yeah. nailed it. Yeah. I think plot is number one for their for her. World building is so interesting because there's just so much, you know, just little things that mm-hmm. are just they're, they're the elements in like Harry Potter trivia quizzes where you're like, I have no idea. <laughs> or just the like the things of like of- was. Or of course that would be how they do it in a magical society. Um, and then yeah, character development. I like a lot of the characters, but I don't find Harry Potter as a character incredibly compelling. It, it, it's almost like he's a he's the audience's avatar, as you've yes, talked about absolutely. a lot. Um, so you can of kind course of, just sort I said of that. see yourself in his character. Uh, whereas I find Hermione. Very, very interesting. And now I feel like I need to read The Arithmancer by White Squirrel. Mm-hmm. I have never probably not great writing. In my I life have no idea. Written, read, I have never in my life read a fan fiction. Oh my so. gosh. Oof. Okay. Oh my gosh. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> right. But writing like books. Oh, you should be reading more. Um, yeah. So like Hermione and Ron, the Weasleys, great yeah. characters, but like because it's from Harry's perspective, and Harry is kind of like my video game avatar I'm piloting or J.K. Rowling's piloting through mm-hmm. the wizarding world. Eh, you know, fine. Yeah. And then writing, I would say it's effective. Doesn't sweep me away. 
there are a few passages of good of pretty good writing in Harry Potter, but that's not why I read it. Mostly in the seventh book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think 100%. the graveyard scene mm-hmm. when he's visiting Godric's Hollow is like is ex- extraordinarily well written. The Tale of Three Brothers oh, is yeah. fabulously written. Yes. Um. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. What else should we talk? Uh, let's do Lord Who of the else? Rings. Okay. Lord of the Rings. All right. Well, you do this one. Okay. So I think Lord of the Rings goes writing, world building, plot, character. I would agree, except maybe swap character over or, plot. Yeah, but I've also can, read a lot of Lord of the Rings those. fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> so like, Aomer is fleshed out in my opinion. In my my head, I know all of those people a lot better than I probably should. So yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> Plot I character. Know. I think yeah, I could go either way on the last two, but I think writing first, world building second, and then plotting character could go either way. Yeah, I think it's the the plot's slow. It's not it's compelling, but it's slow. And I guess if I think about the movies, I am holding on to the edge of my seat in the movies, which is mm-hmm. just a sped up version of the book in a lot of ways. Yeah. I, I think when I with, with the plot of the Lord of the Rings, what makes it so interesting for me is the thematic quality of it. And mm-hmm. theme, we didn't talk about theme. Theme would be oh, maybe yeah. another element, but theme is part yeah. of plot. Um, and then the writing can really pull out theme by mm-hmm. by the way the book is written. Um, but the the sort of that theme of power corrupting in Lord of the Rings yeah. is fascinating, based on how the different characters react to the ring, um, and then you know, in the end, kind of how Aragorn harnesses his power in that way that we talked about in season one, the episode called the chosen one. Yep. You remember that a long time ago? I do a long time ago. Okay. So that's Lord of the Rings. What, what other ones do we want to say? Do you want to do Patrick Rothfuss? We've talked a lot about the name of the wind. I would say character world building plot. And I don't notice writing, but I hear from you that it's really good. I believe it is very well written. I'm going to say writing, world building, character, plot. Mm, The plot is also slow. Yeah. Or similar to Lord of the Rings. Yeah. It's not Uh, an edge of your seat book. It's a lot of him going from place to place slowly. uh No teleportation. So yeah, plot may be low, but I love the university. Yeah. I like the other characters too of the university, like Simon and... Mm-hmm. What's his face? I like Elodin. Elodin, played by David Tennant, it's in my mind. David he has to be played by David Tennant. <laughs> yes. Um, the tenth I even like specifically. I even like Ambrose in the uh-huh, like. Sure. I understand him kind of a way. So yeah. All right. Let's do. Um. Let's do the Wayfarers series by Becky Chambers. Character, world building, writing, plot. Agreed. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. Really fleshed out characters. Yes. Interesting interplay. Just like big characters, world building is kind of like that. You know, how would these parts of society and the world interact? Clear and efficient writing, I would say. I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's it's good, it's good writing in that it is evocative. I don't necessarily sit up and take notice on as like a line level with Becky mm-hmm. Chambers, but it's good writing. It's definitely good writing. It's not, it's not actively bad, definitely. Yeah. At all. Yeah. And and the 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 first book is aptly titled It's The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. It's a road trip book. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I hadn't thought about it like that before, but it totally is. Mm-hmm. All right. Do we do any others? I think those are some of the big ones that we refer to a lot. Um, how about Broken Earth Trilogy? 
Okay, we talked. Yeah, we so mentioned that last season, last yeah, we, episode. Yeah, we already talked a little bit about uh, "City We Became" by N.K. Jemisin, but the Broken mm-hmm. Earth trilogy. Uh, yeah, interesting. How would I do that? Um, I'm probably going to start with world building, mm-hmm. and then do character writing, plot. Maybe. Gosh, I'm not sure. That's a really tricky one. I think. Those that series won three Hugos in a row on purpose for a reason, and that's because it's meticulously done, and all I think all four of them are very high in that series. So mm. I'm not sure if I, it's hard for me to. They're all really close, even though if I put them in an order, but they're all very close. I think I need to reread it because I think character would score a lot higher upon a reread. Which, if you haven't read it, cover your ears right now. <laughs> when you find Spoiler. out in the first book that. Three of the, the characters perspectives are, the same person. are three of the characters are the same person. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you can uncover your ears now if you're still listening. Um, plot. I was very curious as to what was going on with those big obelisks. So, yeah. 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 I mean, and, but then world building again, the, the magic system, the, there's stuff in the sky and the world is dangerous. And how do we react to that? Makes sense. And then we talked about N.K. Jemison's very careful crafting of her writing, mm-hmm. of particularly describing people and making it make sense for the world. Yeah. Or is that more world building? They're all tied together. They There's probably together. more categories too, like you mentioned themes. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people look for books with certain tropes these days, yep. like especially maybe in the, the spicy community, like it's an enemies to lover. I hate a accidental pregnancy trope but i do like you know forced proximity or mm-hmm. you know all of these the different sold they're yeah. literally sold with those tropes in mind yeah yeah and that i think that if you know what you like depending on what you're looking for and and, and why you're reading that's another way to categorize it but we're probably missing more so i'd be curious if you all have a way of categorizing books, a way of thinking about the books you love, let us know. Maybe you'll, we'll add a, an extra category to our alignment chart. All right. Well, that's a great, great discussion, Carrie. And I, I really hope listeners, you engage this and, you know, um, let us know how the books uh, that you love score on our four, four part schema <laughs> of, of, uh, of reading. Uh, and thanks to Carrie and her friend Kara for coming up with uh, with it, because it's been really helpful for me, definitely. Um, but that's the end of season six of the podcast for Nerdy Christians. What? We'll be back sometime in 2024, probably, mm-hmm. right? Maybe. Um, with season seven. Wow. We did just pass. We're a little over 50 episodes now, Carrie. We're up to like 54, 55 episodes oh, man. of the podcast. Uh, over 10,000 downloads. It's fantastic. Uh, so, wow. Um, thank you for listening. And I'll, well, actually, Perry, Carrie says that part. Go ahead, Carrie. I do. And I was thinking I wouldn't get my money's worth out of my Yeti microphone, but here we are. <laughs> so thank you for listening to this episode, this season of the podcast for Nerdy Christians. Please give us a rating or review on your podcast app of choice so others can discover us too. You can find us at nerdychristians.com. You can find all nine of Adam's fantasy novels on his website, adamthomas.net. Sign up for his bi-monthly author's newsletter to receive a free PDF of his novella, Highest Stakes, a memoir and manual about my life as a vampire hunter. Oh, I just got the pun. And as always, you can find both of us right here on the next season of the podcast for Nerdy Christians, where faith meets fandom. 
I just got the pun. The title? I'm not, I am not kidding. Yes. <laughs> it's about steaks. Indeed. <laughs> Carrie's making a, a staking a vampire gesture right now on Zoom. Okay. May God, builder of the world, accompany you into all the worlds you visit. May Jesus, the word made flesh, write his grace upon your hearts. May the Holy Spirit, who reveals to us the plots of our lives, enrich your journeys. And may your faith, your nerdiness, and the love of God help you to become the character you are meant to be. Amen. <laughs> <laughs>